At long last, I am able to say a few words of my own. Read my lips. Government is not the solution to our problem. Senator, good morning again in America. Well, look, Big Bird. Yes, we can. Government is the problem. Good evening and welcome to a conservative and a liberal walk into a bar. My name is Matt and I'm a liberal. My name's Tim. I'm a conservative. Thank you for joining us on uh, the eve of what they're now calling Super Saturday, Friday, March the 4th. Everything's uh, super. What the? F- <laughs> I, I, right. Can they come up with something like Extraordinary Saturday? Or I'm really cool super. Saturday? Thanks, for asking. Thanks for asking. Yeah. <laughs> I need something new. Yes, we do. Uh, as I said, Friday, March the fourth, two thousand sixteen. We are going to. We're just going to talk about a lot of stuff tonight. We don't have. We have a, a sort of loose agenda and a whole lot of little things because a whole lot of. I mean, there was some big stuff, but a lot of it's electiony and a lot of it's stuff that you're probably aware of. But you're going to get our opinion on it too very quickly as we move on. Uh, we'll do some round of applause and uh, WTF, and then we'll wrap it up. So, uh, starting off, how are you, sir? Man, I'm good. I'm good. I painted I painted a house. Well, not a house. I painted my apartment a couple of days ago. It was a good experience for me. I'm excited about maybe trying out more do-it-yourselfer sorts of stuff. If I like hire someone to like to do it with me and make sure I don't mess it up, which is basically what I do with the painting. So it's a lot cheaper, but it's you know, it it still looks nice. Really? You had a, I remember a time when you expressed no interest whatsoever in doing. Well, you, sco- I, I don't you scoffed at my do-it-yourself do nature of mine. I, I want to have interest, you know, and like a lot of times I see someone doing some of what you were doing, like replacing the ceiling. And I just go, ew, ew, no. But but then you know I feel like these are skills that someone needs, and I, I hate to think that I've, you know, that there are skill necessary necessary life skills that I'm not passing on to my children, so. You know, like this and shooting a gun. You know, like these are things I feel like you should know how to do. So, has uh, has dad taken you shooting? No, the one Saturday I was going to, we, I I didn't, I wasn't able. So, but that, that is something I'm looking forward to doing with him. Um, I think that could be a nice bonding experience for us. I thought you might. I, I'm not entirely sure why I, I, I thought that, but I, I thought that might be something that... Well, I've always the, wanted to. This together. is something I've talked about. Like, I've always wanted to shoot. I even borrowed Uncle Ron's twenty two and like took a shooting lesson. But it, you know, the whole like cleaning of the guns and everything, this, this required a meticulousness that is generally lacking in my nature. Um, <laughs> but if, you know, they're dad's guns, hey... <laughs> Let's shoot them. <laughs> because dad enjoys the meticulous side of those things. Yeah, so. right? So, <laughs> so, yeah, that's me. How are you? Fantastic. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm in a somewhat, of a somewhat of a better place than I was last Friday. So, you know. Just, Excellent. Uh, you know, yeah. It's, this, this week was a bit of a slog, but... Uh, uh, I had I had I had many many political things going on to keep me occupied uh, in uh, in watching such things. Um, I, I I'm afraid you give me too much credit with the ceiling. We 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 all we did was get the because bear in mind that I remember that I had to hire somebody to finish the job. <laughs> right, but just the uh, starting. I didn't. I don't. I don't think I was trying to give you credit so much. Just stating what you were doing looked awful. <laughs> it was. I know it was. Let's, and the fact let, that you let, didn't finish it just prove, proves me that I was right that this is awful. But I am, I am hopeful that if I have a friend who I've hired to make sure that this happens, we can follow through. 
Yeah. It, I don't mind painting so much. I, I, I There's a part of me that there's an almost zen sort of thing to painting that I kind of enjoy. Yeah. Uh, but, and little stuff I don't mind. The the really big heavy duty, that was why I was glad I got somebody to, it was the, the I don't know if I told you or not, but the guy that, that came into what I, what I had to do was replace since no one here knows what the hell we're talking about, I had a, an entire section of drywall in my ceiling that had to be replaced because it was cracked over time. Uh, and uh, our brother-in-law and I, and with with a little help from from Tim, uh, very little, <laughs> but a bit. You were there for moral support. Uh, when it took about replacing this entire uh, sort of eight-foot section of ceiling, eight 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 to ten feet. I don't remember how big it was, but a massive section of ceiling ourselves and. Uh, we got it up and, and got the light up and got the first layer of drywall done around it. And, uh, and, and then just, it, it just sort of stayed that way because there was that whole sanding and remudding and sanding and remudding and sanding and remudding that I just found I, I just did not have the patience for. And so I hired someone to do it. But the thing about it is, is that, uh, because, and also in the process, he put in a new floor and took care of a bunch of other things and it was, it was all very efficient, but, uh, the last day that he was here working, the big day that he was here working, he, he was, he was getting sick. Uh, and I could tell, and I kept, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not an unfeeling human being. I kept telling him like, look, dude, go home. If you got to I mean, I'm okay. I can do stuff in here. I don't want you in here getting sick and hacking up all over my kitchen. But he insisted on keeping on working. And I was like, all right, go get him tiger. But then all of a sudden I looked down and like from inhaling all of the drywall dust, he was like, his nose was starting to bleed. <laughs> oh my god yeah i know right and like there were little drops of blood on the floor and finally that was where i put my foot down like when, when he tried to put like he was going to put a, a little he was putting one of those floor transitions back in uh over a drop of blood and i'm watching him do this going please catch it please catch it please catch it oh you got it good good all right now go home because <laughs> you're getting blood on the floor <laughs> and this has officially gone too far <laughs> So yeah, it was yeah that was that was my my recent adventure in in home repair. So that's awesome. Um, yeah, to uh, kick things off, well, obviously we had we had Super Tuesday, uh, uh, in advance of Super Saturday tomorrow. But uh, you know, uh, big nights I think all around for uh, Trump and Clinton that were were expected for the most part. I mean, it, it sort of seemed to unfold uh, entirely as predicted. There weren't really a whole lot of surprises. Uh, Bernie won where he had been able to focus a little bit uh, in the states that he does, you know, would seem to do well in. Uh, but still, you know, it was like a seven to four, kind of or a six to five. Or what, what did he win? Four? I don't remember. Uh, you know, I, I, think I don't he remember got the top of my head, five. but not a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I know. Not a lot and really not enough. Yeah. Um, well, know, and I'm and, always, the Democrats and the delegates always confuse me. You know, you look at the charts of how many delegates they have, and so many of what Hillary has are the, the super delegates. That I, I, it's, it's horribly confusing. But she still has a sizable lead in just normal, old-fashioned delegates as well. So Right. And and let's be clear, and that's the thing that, that King, the guy who does the map on, on CNN, was trying to, because he kept bringing up the superdelegates and going, okay, look, I know nobody likes it when I bring them up, but here's where they are. But if you take the superdelegates away, Hillary still has a lead and a much better path to things than Sanders does. And no yeah. one, even the Clinton campaign, no one is saying that Bernie should get out. Keep going. Keep doing your thing. You know, it's kind of like what I've been saying with, like, the... 
the superdelegates that Hillary had, you know, because they said the same thing in 2008. And once Obama started winning states and started proving to people that he was going to be a viable candidate and was actually going to be the nominee, then the superdelegates started to flip. And if Sanders was doing the same thing, then the superdelegates would start to flip, but he's not. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's... This is all. Well, but never forget, of, Obama was a centrist. There was never any doubt that Obama was a centrist, right? But Bernie is many things, but he is not a centrist. So I mean, no, Bernie, not, but, Bernie, Bernie is the exact kind of candidate for which they created the superdelegates. I.e., they created them after McGovern was elected. There was nothing they could do. They knew there was no way that they would win the general election with a guy like him. And the Democratic Party said, enough is enough. We are going to have a way to stop things if we ever get another candidate like that. And Bernie Sanders is exactly that candidate. Well, potentially, but you know, there was also that was also done in the era, you know, before there was such a, a microscope on everything. And I just don't know that the Democratic Party would actually would actually go that far. And and the other thing is is that to me, you can't, and, and I, and I, the difference between where the Republican Party is, which is in open revolt at this point, between the party establishment right. and uh, and the hard. You Can know, we just start saying right normal people. Republicans? I'm getting tired of being called part of the establishment because, God dang it, 14 years ago I was raging against the establishment and we need a third party and blah, blah. And I still feel that way. I refuse to call myself an establishment Republican. I'm just a normal Republican. I'm not part of some giant Republican man conspiracy oligarchy. I'm just conservative. Well, I mean, and let's be fair. I, I kind of, I kind of think that you actually are a Republican. The difference to me is that the people <laughs> that are for Trump are the ones that really aren't technically Republicans. Exactly. That's what I mean. So there's no need to call us the establishment. We're just Republicans. And then we have this crazy, you called Trump and his group, the populist, the populists are taking over the party. There you go. The populist wing of the party. Fine. But my point is, is that the Republicans are in, in effectively an open revolt, probably wishing if you ask, I bet if you ask Mitt, he wishes they had superdelegates right now. Um, so, well, surely, and and there is every bit of talk that if we can just get to the convention and have it be a, a broken convention, that is what we are all praying for, uh, so that we can override the popular vote and put someone else in other than Trump. Yeah, and but then what does that? Well, I don't, I don't. I mean, is that is that really? When I mean, we can go ahead and talk about that. Let me let me finish what I've been trying to say. So what I've been trying to say is that. You have Trump on one end, and then you have the you have the populist over here, and then you have the actual Republicans on this other end. Uh, and there is this massive gap between the two of them. I don't know that there is that the gap between the quote establishment Democrats and the populist Democrats are is as wide. I don't think that because there is a chasm between. Uh, like the Grand Canyon between this and they're on the Republican side. And I just don't know that that gap is quite as wide on the Democratic side. So I, I don't know that if Bernie got there, there would be a real risk of some kind of brokered convention or the superdelegates actually making the call. Whereas I think that there really is that, not only that risk, but frankly, that hope in the Republican mm-hmm. convention. And no, absolutely. If we got to a brokered convention and we didn't overrule Trump, I would be pissed. 
I mean, I, that is what I am expecting of our party leadership. Absolutely. Okay. So uh, while we're on the subject, then what, what Romney did, did that bother you yesterday? Bother me. Why, yes. why, why in the world, why would it bother me? Um, I don't know that it would necessarily. I hate it when people I, agree it, it, with it, me. But, but it word back, for word. Well, but God was it back, dang it. <laughs> what, was it, did it surprise you at all? I mean, the timing of it, the why of all, why now? I mean, why, why wait until now? I mean, did they really not take this that seriously? Oh, well, I think the answer to that's yes. They really did not take it that seriously up until he actually won, which was New Hampshire. Uh, up until he actually won, a lot of the a lot of people were hoping that he would go away. That you know the people who supported him weren't the kind of people who actually showed up to vote. Uh, that some huge scandal would have that any one of the five million horribly offensive things that he's done would catch. And people wouldn't, you know, would would revolt against him. Uh, but now, suddenly, after you know, Super Duper Tuesday, it's very real that this might happen. And there are, you know, sort of the elder statesmen of our party who are trying to step up and fight against it. So, yeah, thank you, Mitt, Mitt for count, stepping up. Does uh, Mitt count as an elder statesman? I mean, does anybody really care what Mitt says? I mean, Mitt really. Oh, yeah. I mean, no, Trump's a lot of people wrong. care what Mitt says. I mean, Mitt was a failed candidate. He delivered that speech yesterday. It was very hard hitting in a very awkward Mitt sort of way, because that's what Mitt does in this sort of, he's still doing that thing where he cocks his head and it's just a little slightly just off and kind of pathetic. Well, it doesn't really, it doesn't really work. You know, I mean, he's Mitt. It just doesn't have the teeth that you'd think it would if it was like, you know, Reagan, you know, <laughs> or Jeb, you know, because Jeb is kind of the same way. It was kind of the same way early on where it was just sort of awkward and not quite there. Jeb got a little better as things went on or like Marco, where he tries to he man, Marco keeps trying, but he just not getting anywhere. Um, uh, man, I, I, well, for one thing, yes, Mitt is definitely part of the, you know, elder statesman wing of the, of the Republican party. I mean, he ran for president, what, three times. Uh, so yeah, definitely. And there's definitely a lot of people who like him and, and definitely a lot of people who, who care what he has to say. Um, but most of the people who care what Mitt has to say are not the people who are voting for Trump. Well, exactly. Yeah, that's that's the thing. So he's not. So by that saying, what you're actually, what you're actually, I guess what you're trying to say is that what he was trying to do was to galvanize his people that don't that are feeling sort of low at the moment, yeah, bad about themselves, and highlighting to those people: No, you cannot vote for Trump. Do not change your mind just because you think that he said something nice the other day and maybe maybe he's not so bad after all. No, absolutely not. He is just as horrible as you think he is. Please get out and vote for whoever the favored other candidate is in your party so that we can get to the convention as a broken convention and figure stuff out from there. Yeah. Um, I thought Mike Huckabee tonight, I don't know if you, saw, you, you probably didn't see this, but Mike Huckabee, who I don't like, um, really weird. Uh, I know, right? Odd, isn't it? Uh, he he came out and said, and 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 just had good thoughts on the entire thing. Um, you know, with where the level of discourse has gone, and 
as somebody who doesn't like his, I don't know if you know or not, but Mike Huckabee's daughter actually went to work for Trump's campaign. Huckabee's never totally disavowed Trump, but he was very pointed in saying that what he, that he was very much disgusted by what he saw last night uh, on the stage, which has been, I think the general consensus by most people uh, that I've seen. Today. Oh, Huckabee last... said he was outraged. Cause I mean, Huckabee has endorsed Trump. Yeah, no, he said last night really bothered him that last night went over the edge and, uh, you know, and he did feel like Trump has, is to a certain extent responsible for the level of discourse. He had, he admitted that, um, which is a, you know, is a, you know, is a little bit of a turnaround. Um, I think because I guess he had, did he actually endorse him? I didn't think he came right out and endorsed him so much as he just said he liked some of his stuff. Um, man, maybe he hasn't come right out and endorsed him, but I mean, he is definitely, he's, he's outraged at Republicans saying that they wouldn't vote for him. Uh, he's, you know, because uh, there, yeah. I mean, there there have been a few, and there have been a fair amount of. Uh, uh, no, he has it. You're right. He is. He shot down rumors, so no, he hasn't. But he yeah. is definitely, he's definitely not anti-Trump the way that a lot of us are. No, I don't. I and I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't think he is. Um, <laughs> I think he'd have trouble with his daughter if he was. Uh, so, um, I mean, the. The other interesting thing that I thought to come out was that, that Kasich finally Kasich finally seemed to get some love last night. It took a dick joke showing up on the stage of a primary debate, but it did happen nonetheless. There was actually quite a lot of of goodness coming out of of uh, good feelings coming out of of people about Kasich. In fact, the you know how they do those uh, after after debate things where they have a bunch of people in the room and uh, uh, you know, they poll whether or not they were swayed or not. Uh huh. You know what I'm talking about? They, they did that in a, in a County. Now granted this is in Michigan, which is a good, which is not I mean, it's obviously not Kasich's home state, but it's, it's good fertile ground for him. In what is l- largely considered to be one, one of the most conservative counties in the nation. It's in Northern Michigan. Uh, and, Basically, the entire room raised their hand and said they were voting for Kasich and like two people were going to vote for Trump. One person was going to go for Rubio and two people were going to go for Cruz. Nice. It was it was pretty impressive. So, uh, you know, maybe once they get out of the South, maybe he can make, you know, some moves and maybe this brokered convention thing would work out well for him. I don't know. But, uh, you know, I, the more I look at it, the more I am convinced that Ru- because Rubio is not happening. That's that will not happen. Uh, because I honestly think he's probably going to lose Florida, and after that, he's done. Uh, but, you know, which really is going to put it in sort of Kasich or Cruz standpoint, especially if Kasich can make it up and, and get to the convention having won Ohio, and then we'll see, you know? Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know that there's a whole lot more to go on. Well, I, I, I think that's the big thing. Hours. Like, and I, I had previously had said, you know, it's time Kasich drop out. Everyone support Rubio. Hopefully I was mistaken, you know, and hopefully Kasich was right to stick in there. He's certainly the best candidate. Uh, and if there's any way that he can end up uh, being the guy, then great. You know, the only, and as long as we're in these states that are not winner pick all, then fine, you know, because then everyone just votes for their guy. And as long as Trump doesn't get a majority, hey, we win. The, the only problem with K6 sticking is if, you know, now in some of these winner take all states where maybe it would have been beneficial 
to have all of our votes, all of you know the normal Republicans voting behind one person, so that then we could win the winner take all. Instead, it gets split, and Trump is able to take all the delegates with you know thirty five to forty percent of the vote. Um, I think Kasich wins Ohio. I really hope so, but it doesn't look like Rubio is going to win Florida, which is sad and depressing for him. Yeah, last yeah. night I uh, and those are two uh, we really need in order to get to the brokered convention. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, during the, just as an aside during the, uh, I think it was, it was last night in the post debate coverage with on uh, Anderson Cooper's, uh, show, um, they were interviewing a Rubio campaign staffer in, uh, Florida and, uh, talking to her about the debate performance and everything. And it was all, well, we feel like Marco's doing really well and yada, yada, yada. And, and Anderson said, so if he doesn't win Florida, does that force him to consider dropping out? And she comes back with, well, we're going to win Florida and this is why, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and Anderson goes, okay, but what I'm, what I'm asking is if you, uh, if, uh, you know, he doesn't win Florida does again, does, does he consider dropping out? And she goes, well, we're going to win Florida and goes into more reasons why they're going to win Florida. So Anderson goes, okay, I'm going to ask you a third time. If he doesn't win Florida, does he consider dropping out? And again, comes back with, well, we're going to win Florida in that exact same tone. It was like he had gotten this robotic thing into his staffers. And after that third time, while she's going on, you saw Anderson's head just kind of tilt to the side with this bitches be crazy kind of look on his face. It was easily one of the funniest things I had seen all night. So anyhow, uh, I mean, I, you know, like I said, we could go on and on about the, about the election all night long. I really don't know that I have anything else to put out there, uh, about it. You know, we'll see what happens. It's all still very much up in the air, I think. Um, yeah, no, the same stuff. I will be, I will be caucusing tomorrow. So I am excited. You will. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about about that. that. Kentucky is Kentucky rocks the caucus tomorrow for the first time. Kentucky Uh, matters. And what's awesome. Kentucky matters. Yeah. You know, I mean, thank you. Rand Paul. I would love it if the Democrats had moved that back. Yeah. I mean, you can say that this was something that Paul did for his ego, which it was something he did for his ego, but it's not necessarily well, not just ego, but because now, so he could run for Senate. I mean, that was, that was the whole well, thing. This is true. Yeah. I mean, it was purely self-serving for the most part, but yeah. at the same time, not a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, hey, like I said, now we matter. You know, the only difficulty is, you know, it being the first year, a matter of getting the word out to everybody, you know, uh, because it's not normal. Like yeah, it seems like there's been some confusion about lots of confusion about where to go, what time, about how it works. Yeah, I'm even confused how it works because I thought it was like at one time you all caucused and like argued and shouted and split up in the sides of the room and boom, you're done. Takes about an hour. But I mean, the polling stations are from ten to four, and I can go caucus anytime. So yeah, and that's the way some of work? these caucuses work. I don't know, and why is that different from a primary? Yeah, other I mean, than I, the fact that reps can people can stay and talk. I guess I mean I don't know it, you know, because from what I understand is you can roll up, cast your vote, and leave. Yeah, I mean that's what I'm planning so, on doing. So yeah, you know, uh, now that they don't have as many stations, you know, there's only like three or four places that you vote in Fayette County where I, where I am, whereas normally there's like. 
50. <laughs> um, Even during the primaries, are there that many? Yeah, you know, I guess I don't know. I guess it's been a while since I... Do they have the same polling stations open? It's been a while I don't, since I, I did a primary, so maybe not. But yeah, regardless, I'm excited. I'm fascinated to see what a caucus is all about. And and I'm excited that my, my I really feel like my vote matters. You know, there's no question of whether or not I'm going to make sure that I get up to election and get there in time to cast my vote for, for Mr. Kasich. Yeah, fair enough. So before we go off our election coverage, let us just give a quick in memoriam to the Ben Carson campaign. Deuces. Couldn't even get a word in <laughs> on CNN tonight, the poor guy. I mean, you know, they were still talking about Trump and his dick joke. And here Carson had announced that he was dropping out and all they could do was put it up on the website. Wolf couldn't even give him any love. So we're going to give you some love, Dr. Carson. You and your hands and your fruit salad and your Jesus pictures. We're, we're sorry to see you go. Uh, I mean, sure. I, nice guy. <laughs> I, I guess nice guy. I, you know, he was very quiet and soft A little bit loony but tunes, his though. views were just as off base as Trump's uh, in a lot yes, of ways. He, w- he was just quieter and nicer about saying it. So... Oh, don't get me wrong. Yeah, he's just as crazy. But at the same time, it was it was a sort of harmless crazy. You know? Not if you won the election. Well, this is true. But he was never going to win the election. So, he's, you know, whereas... Uh, did, did you watch the John Oliver thing that I sent you? Did you see this? The, yeah, the John Oliver thing on Trump. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Yeah, whereas, as, as, as Oliver put it, Trump is America's back bowl. It's, it's the thing that you've ignored, but as it's gotten bigger, you can't ignore it anymore. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. Back bowl. That was. That was, that was. that was a phenomenal takedown of the man, I thought. So, uh, moving right along. Again, we're, we're just going to do a lot of little stuff this week. So, one thing in the news. First quarter jobs so far. 220,000 gained. I don't know if it was first quarter, but we're not really through the first quarter, I guess. But uh, 220,000 new jobs were up from where we were in December, which is great. Uh, Sort of surprising people. I think there were people that might have thought we were heading back towards another recession. We still might be, but this is going against the grain of where the global economy is going. So, uh, you know, good news on that front, I guess. Thoughts? Uh, Only that I... I read something different. I read that the prediction was 220,000, but that we came up short of that number. And everyone is wondering what's happened. So completely opposite from what you're saying. Uh, Okay, that's not what I read. I mean, yeah. I admit I only read the one article. Companies but. added 212 positions for the month, down from an upwardly revised 250,000 in January and the slowest pace since August 2014. Economists were looking for an increase of 220,000, but it didn't happen. No, because we added, we only CNBC. added like 100. We, we talked about this in January or in December, January, somewhere. There was a jobs report where we only added like 170,000 and everybody flipped out. I mean, I'm just going off of what, what you're talking about for February, and that's, yeah. I mean, that's I what I'm know. reading. Well, uh, okay, so, so we've so read, we've read two different uh, things. I think, I mean. Are we flipping out? I mean, the global economy still is kind of in the shitter. Continues that I would say that, no, we're not flipping out. You know, we're, we're hopeful that things will uh, will recover and grow. Uh, you know, the American economy is a good, solid economy. It just depends on 
you know, depends some on what happens with Europe, depends some on what happens with the, the Federal Reserve, but certainly not time to panic just yet. Because unemployment hasn't gone up. We're still technically at what they refer to as full employment, which is 4.8 or 4.9 person. We're under, we're just under five, I think, from an unemployment standpoint. Yeah. So I, I think we're doing okay. Uh, we uh, one thing that came up last night during the debate for the it was it was the first time that the Republicans had discussed uh, the crisis, the water crisis in Flint. Um, not terribly surprising that de- the debate took place in 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 Detroit, Michigan. So uh, you know, not terribly surprising that it would come up. It was the first time I, th- I that I recall it being addressed during any of their debates. Um, and the responses were, you know, they, they took some pot shots at the Democrats for politicizing it that are probably a little bit fair. Uh, the, um, you know, the, the general sort of feeling of the room was, yeah, sucks. We're sorry. Not, and again, I don't mean to be flippant. They didn't sound flippant at all. But, you know, again, I'm, I'm being general here. And that they did feel like there was some sort of role for the federal government in, in it through crisis relief and things of that nature. Um, but then there were sort of hinting that again, more regulations wouldn't necessarily do the trick. The regulations were already in place, hurting jobs, bad Democrats, yada, yada, yada. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, this is not the kind of thing. This is the kind of thing that the moment it happened, I felt like this should have been sort of an all hands on deck kind of thing. I hope it was, it certainly seemed to be, uh, I know that the water situation around the country is not as good as we all want to believe it is a lot of the time. Uh, but what, my larger question to you is, is what, again, I think we're all aware of what the Democrats role in situation like this is, is, is pass laws and spend money. Um, which is not always a bad thing, but you know, they can't overdo it. But what in this circumstance is a limit in a, in a, in a circumstance situation like this, what does limited government look like to you? Because I'm and I'm, because I'm at, because I don't I don't really know how do, how does that, how would a limited government function with response to things like crisis response this kind of thing? Well, I mean, this is a national crisis. So I mean, this is I mean they've declared a state of emergency, correct? Yes. Yeah. Well, then I mean, this is I I don't understand how this is different from uh, Hurricane Katrina or different from uh, horrible flooding or different from horrible earthquakes. Of course, the federal government gets involved. Of course, the federal government puts money into it. Of course, we come in and we do whatever the 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 state asks for. Uh, you know, I think there's been some questions whether or not Rick Steiner acted quickly enough, whether he asked for that assistance quickly enough, um, and I, did he ask for the assistance? Has he, is that what happened? Did he ask and we said no? No, not at all. Um, I, I, I do think I he think did eventually, what happened I was that they, eventually they wanted, ask, the federal government the wanted to push through money to be sent there, but the, the, he kept turning it down. Yeah. Rick Steiner had asked or something like this. And at some point, would, lines, would, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I, the state, they declared a state of emergency. The state should request the funding and the federal government should give it to him. Bob's your uncle. Seems Theory, pretty straightforward. End of, end of story. Yeah. Okay. Now, I um, guess you know, maybe you could look at what about what, it from a regulatory What does standpoint? the state do? What does the program do if a governor doesn't ask for assistance and is doing damage to his area? You know, I mean, that could get very interesting very quickly. Uh, 
I guess I don't really I don't really know. I guess it would depend a lot on the circumstances. So you know, can a government can a, can the president override a governor? You know, I don't really know. Well, you know, what if what if Louisiana hadn't requested assistance for Katrina? I'd be like, we got this. Back up. Do we, do we just go in? I think so. Yes. I mean, I I, I think to at a certain at a certain point the federal government has. I think that's why the federal government is there. Yeah, is I, to, I would tend to agree. At some point, you say, yeah. no, 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 you're not handling this properly. Time time for us to to check out what's going on here. Yeah. Yeah. Which sort of in, in in a larger sense of things, and this has occurred to me quite a lot as I've watched a lot of these uh, debates over the last several months, is generally the conservative mantra, if you will, is 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 to uh, the deal is back off and let the states handle it. And to my mind, that's okay. That's 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 great. You're you know obviously. You know, local municipalities, states, things of that nature, they should be allowed to handle their own problems uh, as much as possible. To me, the federal government exists when states refuse to act. And the problem to me is that you still have limited government people at the state level saying, well, that's not the state's responsibility, it's business's responsibility or something along those lines. So you have this this issue that we just talked about where, okay, at what point do the states, if, if the states refuse to act, at what point does the federal government have the right to come in and say, you know, you guys aren't fixing this, we're going to fix it. And does that same thing apply to, say, education or healthcare, where you have a national healthcare crisis and the and that had been going on and brewing for 20 some odd years hell 30 years i mean they'd been talking about you can go back to the 70s where they were talking about having healthcare conversations um and the constant response was well this has to the states have to do this themselves well but the states weren't so at what point is it time for the federal government to say look this is great you guys should be able to do this yourselves you're right but you're not and then the same do the same rules apply to things like education when the states allow their schools to go to hell, like in Louisiana, but then they rail against Common Core. So, where where is that line? You know what I mean? Uh, does does any of that does any of that make sense? This is just something I've been thinking about over the last little bit. Well, I mean, when, I, I, when it becomes apparent that states aren't handling something, like like with, I mean, like with healthcare, you know, I mean. It became apparent this was too large of a problem for states to handle, uh, and, and and I don't know. I, I guess I don't remember a lot of states should do this themselves. Perhaps that was going on. I was just wasn't aware of it. Uh, but I mean that we Republicans agreed. You know, as we've been over. You know, Bush two thousand seven put forth the healthcare plan. McCain two thousand eight. Ryan two thousand nine. You know, we were right there with Democrats saying that things needed to be fixed um yeah so yeah i think it's just a matter of when it becomes clear that a state can't properly handle an issue an issue is just too large for a state to take care of they have to step in so education sure if if it becomes too large or which i don't think it has I, i don't think the problem with education is lack of federal involvement in any way shape or form i think that a major problem with education was when the federal government got too involved i.e in the form of no child left behind i'm a huge fan of private vouchers i i think that the 
federal government, even the state government, needs to be taking a step back out of the education system. So I, I don't think that it's there in any way, shape, or form. But yeah, if something was completely broken, uh, then you know, a state, the the government, the federal government has a responsibility to step in. Well, but on education nationwide, we are widely considered to be behind uh, in a lot of in a lot of areas from a the kinds of educations that kids are getting and and uh, the types of students that we're turning out when compared to a lot of other countries out there. Uh, we're like, I don't even know that we were in the top ten last I saw last I saw statistics mm-hmm. on this. Well, um, and, and you got to remember also when we say the federal government getting involved, I don't see why federal government getting involved has to mean more regulation. You know, can the federal government getting involved say in the in the form of private schools uh, or in in the in the form of education? Can the federal government step in and force deregulation upon upon the states? Can the federal government step in and confront the teachers unions and force them to accept things like merit based pay, like getting like cutting back on tenure, like more charter schools, like private school vouchers. Uh, maybe so. Or just or just in the form of money. I mean, can, See, no, can and the that's where I get can the federal that, that's where I get frustrated. That? Because this idea that, that okay, well, we should just have we should just throw some more money at stuff without it being fixed. Look at what New Jersey did. Zuckerberg gives them hundreds of millions of dollars, gone, wasted, disappeared into the bureaucracy of the state government. Was that Jersey? I thought that was California. Pretty sure it was Jersey. Or no, or no, California was the iPad thing. Yeah, pretty sure it was Jersey. Where they like every every child an iPad or something. Yeah. I don't remember. But but that's the yeah. thing, you know, this idea that well, if we just give the federal government more money or give the state government more money, then maybe they'll handle it. And no, a lot of times, just giving people more money is not the response. Sometimes it's a matter of saying no. You have to be more efficient. You have to find ways to do things without more money. Well, that's fair. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I wasn't necessarily saying, okay, that the federal government sends money to like at the state level earmarked specifically for education. If there was some way to make sure that that money was then funneled from the state, or even if you just bypass the state and say that the federal government is giving money directly to school districts instead of to the but state. are these school districts that are freed from the, the the state government regulation of the schools I mean if you're talking about the the federal government funneling money into a private school voucher system then sure maybe I would be game for that sort of thing but just funneling money into the public school cartels I'm, I don't think that's a solution public school cartels that's a big word. Yeah, man. Well, I'm pretty frustrated with all of the universities and the public school systems of Kentucky railing against Bevan um, for for the cuts that he's making. And the simple fact of the matter is that our public schools and our universities have gone out of control with with their tenures and their pension funds and the sorts of the sorts of deals that everybody gets and and, and without being willing to accept any sort of uh, responsibility any any they're they're not willing to accept things like merit based pay you know what what sort of job is it that you're going to get paid more and more just because you've been there for a little bit longer doesn't matter if you're any good you could completely suck but we're going to keep on paying you more and you know what? we're not going to be able to fire you I, this this makes absolutely no sense, and I think that our our public schools are 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 a disgrace in a lot of ways. 
And I think that they're a disgrace because certain people have gotten in control of the public school systems and they're unwilling to accept any sort of um, review or uh, adjustments. Well, I mean, I have my my pay is merit based and I certainly don't have any my my problem. But my problem with merit based pay structures is that a lot of it without having clear, specific goals, you get to this point and this is what this grade means. You get to this point and you get this grade laying out specific things instead of having them as sort of hazy sorts of of standards that you, that are almost impossible to, you know, cause we're graded on sort of a, I don't want to go too far into this, but we're graded on sort of a, did you meet expectations? Did you exceed expectations? Did you not meet expectations? Did you not meet any expectations? And, uh, you know, if you just met all of your expectations, you get this percentage. If you exceed, you get this many. If you far exceed, you get this percentage uh, on a rate. And But that makes it extraordinarily easy for the system to be gamed to the point where you can't really do much better than meets your expectations unless those uh, standards are clearly laid out. Um, and... The problem is that you have in in our case, you have some departments that where the bosses are met, where the the heads of the departments make it easy, or they have their own standards and they lay them out, and it's reasonable to get an uh, you know do a little bit better because you had a good year. Or, but then you have other departments where it doesn't matter. You bust your ass the entire year, and the best you're going to do is is meets expectations because everything is so hazy that there's no way to get any better than that. So, I mean, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but then this merit-based thing, it, it can be so easy to for the people in charge to game the system so they never have to give you a raise. And that doesn't necessarily work either. Well, no, absolutely. And so, of course, whatever system we put in place needs to be done well. Absolutely. Agreed. There you go. So, fair but, enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But, but let me, let me, I will say this. I've always thought that tenure was bullshit. Yes. The, the, if, if you, and did they, does Kentucky do tenure for like high school students? Yeah, they do. And, and the basic idea, I get where Not the students. idea behind tenure comes into play. You know, this idea of academic freedom. Uh, you can't get fired for, for just for saying something that the administration disagrees with. You know, I get this. But when it becomes a way that uh, un unqualified and unmotivated teachers can keep on collecting a paycheck even though they're no longer doing their job, I think it becomes a serious problem. And, and this, when it's discouraging for younger teachers who know that no matter how good a job they do, it's not going to affect how much they get paid because, hey, it just depends on how long you're there for. And I think that starts yeah, to do damage. That's, uh, I, I mean, I can, I can see that system needing to be, needing to be cleaned up. Um, so, okay, well, we should, uh, we should move on to our round of applause for the week, our moment where somebody really blew our skirts up and we, uh, acknowledge them for that. Uh, would you like to go first? No, I will allow you, please go first. I am going to throw up a little. Okay. After I do this, but I have to, it's, it's, it's a terrible thing. And again, if I'm never allowed at any liberal group meetings again, I understand I really do, but I, I have to do this. I have to give my round of applause to Megan Kelly, Brett, what's his name? And the other, what's his name that were the moderators of the Fox debate last night. There I said it and I'm sorry. And I understand if you don't love me anymore. Uh, 
reason being, I have to admit, I went into every single one of these Fox debates and extraordinarily skeptical uh, because, you know, like any good liberal, I hate Fox News um, because I, I thought that there would just be a lot of lobbing up softballs and don't you hate the Democrats and isn't Hillary a bitch and don't you think she should be in jail and types of those types of questions. And I got to I got to tell you, they haven't been. They have done a better job than, and I mean, even last night where it was really devolving into some kind of shouting match, they did a very good job at controlling the conversation as best they, as best as anybody could have controlled that conversation last night. True. And that man, Megan Kelly, when she brought her stuff, man, she brought her stuff like she brought proof of all the stuff that Trump said. During the last one, when Trump wasn't there, she brought videos of everything Rubio had said, nailed him to the floor on that. My man last night, this guy said, okay, Donald, you said you're going to cut $550 billion, and you said you're going to do it by eliminating this department, this department, and this department. $500 million, here's this department, this department, and this department. That accounts for about $78 billion. You have a $420 billion shortfall. How are you going to fix it? Go. And nothing. Just, uh, oh, we're going to do it, and, you know, it's okay. Make the country great again, build the wall, blah, blah, blah. I have a big dick. And <laughs> it didn't, uh, it, it, you know, I mean, they, no, nothing nothing at all. But they, they kept hammering them on this stuff. I mean, they really brought their stuff to, to, to get some of these guys on it. And I was really impressed, very much impressed. So round of applause to Fox. I hope I'll never have to do that again. It really hurt. <laughs> awesome. Please don't make me say it again. Um, no, well, and, and good on you. And yeah, I think that, I think that, I think Fox has done a great job in all, in all of these ones. Uh, and, and I don't think any, any liberals are going to, um, you know, break up with you because of applauding Megan Kelly. Uh, she's been getting a lot of applause from, from liberals, uh, ever since her and the Donald started going toe to toe together. Uh, and yeah, I think you're right. I think they've done a great job. Uh, my round of applause, I'll, I'll go ahead and give it to Mitt. Uh, I watched, I watched the whole speech. I thought it was a nice speech. Uh, there, there were moments where I remembered that why I kind of was meh on him, but, but for the most part, I, I was very impressed and very pleased that he was, was stepping up to denounce Romney or that he was stepping up to denounce Trump. Uh, and I hope that more of our party leaders will, will stand up and do the same. Good job, Mitt. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I you know, again, I, I didn't I didn't disagree with anything he said, but you know, I mean, he still mits. I don't know, mits mit. You know, what are you going to do? Uh, you know, and and I don't criticize him for coming out and saying it at all. I mean, you know what, the guy, he has earned a certain kind of status in the party in the American public eye. If he if he's got something he feels like he needs to get off his chest and he wants to get up in public and get it off his chest, he's earned that right. Go, on. go ahead, boy, get it off your chest. Um. You know, and that's perfectly fine. I was interested today in a follow-up interview he gave to CNN. Uh, the interviewer was really kind of trying to put his uh, to put his feet to the fire about you know you did accept his his uh, his endorsement last time around, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, I mean, this is a guy who has been fairly disrespectful to everybody, including President Obama. He was the first one. To, he was sort of the leader of the birther thing, and he he kind of tried to sidestep the birther thing for a minute and she kept trying to call him on it and he finally just said all right look the reason i never said anything here's why i didn't say anything about the birther thing because it was a stupid argument his mother was born in the u.s 
it wasn't even a thing, and I was trying to ignore it. What, we had to wait four years for you to say that? Finally? Would it have killed you to say that in 2012 and shut everybody up? No, absolutely. I, I agree. And and this, you know, and there's been a lot of people out there who moment. have blamed the establishment for Trump. And, and I think that's very fair. You know, when you, you know, scare people with the kind of rhetoric uh, that McCain started using in 2008, uh, that Romney used in 2012, this is what pushes people towards a, a candidate like Trump. So you can't all of a sudden step back and be like, oh, oh, it'd be reasonable, everybody. It'd be reasonable. Well, you know what? You weren't reasonable for years. So take some credit for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's been my point about this is, is that, is, is that they are, when I say they're responsible for it, that's why, that's why I think they're responsible for Donald because they had every opportunity not to, you don't want to quell speech, but to at least try to be the bigger people, to be presidential, to be the people that walk into that room and go, okay, I hear you. I know you're angry, but this is not the way to go about this. And this is why this is not the way to go about this. This is how we're going to go about it. And to just kind of get everybody on a level head. And they never did. Never, ever, 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 ever. They just sort of quietly encouraged this, hoping it would get them somewhere. And what they got was this. So agreed. Yeah, there you go. Uh, moving right along today, the Supreme Court, uh, the Supreme Court has been hearing what is, I, I think, generally considered to be one of the more important cases on abortion uh, in several years, probably since Planned Parenthood versus Casey in '92. Uh, and they are, of course, doing it shorthanded at this point. Um, and today, they uh, the the crux of the argument is the, is that uh, Texas and Louisiana uh, and and many states actually are are increasing their regulations and restrictions on abortion clinics, uh, saying that they need to have adhere to the same standards as hospitals, uh, as opposed to doctors' offices, um, and this is forcing quite a few clinics to close. In the process, they're down to something like. Five or five or so abortion, five ten abortion clinics all for the entire state of Texas. There's like three left in Louisiana uh, over these regulations um, because they are very difficult to meet and very expensive to meet. Um, the clinics have sued, and now the case is in before the Supreme Court. The argument of the plaintiffs, the people who are suing the state, uh, is that this places an undue burden. Uh, on people who are seeking an abortion, and that is part of the, that is constitutionally not allowed. So today they did not. Uh, they've been having hear, hearings about it today. They put a stay on the Louisiana law while they consider the Texas law. Uh, right now, it's generally considered to be four-three, with Justice Kennedy being the deciding factor. Uh, he is a bit of a wild card. Uh, if they go four to four and that's where the ruling goes, then it's remanded back to the lower court's ruling and does not set a precedent. Uh, if it goes five, three, then it would set a precedent and strike down a number of these laws. Uh, that's that, that is, that is where we are right now. Your side of things where, where you at on this? I, I, I don't understand why, what these laws is requesting is so unreasonable. Uh, that you have admitting privileges at a hospital and that you have 
connection with ambulances. Why, why is this crazy? You're performing surgery. So why, why wouldn't you have to have these things? How, how um, is this not required from the beginning? I, I don't, I don't get it. Some of it has to do. Well, it's, it's not, that is, it, it is an oversimplification to say that they are merely requesting that they have privileges and access to ambulances. Uh, the, one of the regulations that I uh, read about in Texas was that hospital walls have to be a certain width so that you can get one gurney going in one direction and another gurney going a different direction. So these are, and these, these clinics walls are not wide enough. So they're having to close down over the width of their walls when they don't even use gurneys typically for these procedures. And they're not, inpatient procedures that they're doing. These are not like you have people staying overnight. And in many cases, abortions are done medically these days. They're not surgical procedures. Uh, they're done with morning after pills and things of that ilk. Uh, so the standards of care are different from a hospital. Uh, and enforcing basically they're, you know, like with the wall thing, you, you can't, you'd have to basically tear down the building and start over. So there's no point in even trying to meet the regulation. They just can't do it because a lot of the walls are load bearing and things of that nature. Um, the building is just not designed to handle that. They're clinics. So why are they not held to simple doctor's office standards as opposed to hospital standards? And where does that difference lie? And I think a lot of this is that these are not technically, but according to most people in the, the medical community, they're not, or at least the ones that I've read, uh, they're not strictly surgical procedures like, say, getting your gallbladder yanked. It's not a one-to-one correlation between the two. You see what I'm saying? So the standards are, there, there's a little bit of a disconnect there. Uh, and then there's this question of whether or not it meets the undue burden issue. So I don't know if that, does that clear that up a little bit for you? Well, so some abortions, right, they might do bipolar, but there are still abortions done at these clinics that are surgery-like, correct? I mean, so I'm not fully up to date on my latest abortion surgical it methods. depends on what you call surgery-like. I mean, I, I don't think they put anybody under for abortions anymore. I think they're all done under local anesthetic. Uh, sort of like... You know, which which is things are done done in regular doctor's offices under local anesthetics all the time, removing moles, for example. Uh, you know, and not that that's a one again, not that that's a one to one correlation. Um, but it's not just my point is is that it's not just part of what I'm part of my point is is that it's it's not just the privilege thing. It's not just the ambulance thing. There are regular regulation upon regulation upon regulation that these people are having to meet. In one case, a clinic was closed because it was too close to a school. And they passed a law saying that the clinics, abortion clinics can't be within 2000 yards of schools, essentially equating them to being sexual predators. So, what you know what they're they're just it's this constant passage of regulations to try to cl- close these clinics as opposed to it, it to me it's going it it is it is a very calculated political thing where uh 
they are trying to pass as many regulations as they can. They can't make it illegal, so they're going to make it as hard as possible to get them. That's the way I see it. Well, I mean, some of the answer to that is going to be, well, yes. <laughs> you know, that's we're we're pro life. We are extreme. We you know we're anti-abortion, and the Supreme Court uh, took matters into their own hands and made abortion legal. Right? This was never a, a decision by popular vote within our country. This was legislated upon us or judicially by the Supreme Court. So now our legislatures are their hands are tied. They, they can't pass well, a law how, how outlawing, is this they can't outlaw abortion. Us. So they're doing, they're doing everything they can to, to limit it. Uh, and who knows what the courts are going to strike down and what they're not. But, you know, so we're going to pass various laws to regulate it as much as possible. Okay. I, I would say two things. One, if that's what you're going to just come out and say that. Stop treating us like we're stupid and trying to pass this off as a women's health thing. And again, this man, again, with the on message thing, when I, when I see people talk about this, they all phrase it the same way. It's like they put it in a pamphlet. When you, when you're asked about this law, you say it this way. It is, it is, it is common sense regulation for, uh, ensuring the safety of our women. It is a women's health thing. It's not a women's health thing. It's a pro-life thing. Why don't you just come right out and say it? What's wrong with that? Why are you trying to why are you trying to pass it off as something that's not as though we're all stupid? I think most people see this for what it is. It is this is a this is this is exactly what we just talked about. It's a it's a pro-life thing. Okay, fine. It's a pro-life thing. Whatever. You're still going to run into the same arguments back and forth as to whether or not it's an undue burden. Just call a spade a spade for right. sake. That's one. Well, spade a spade. And, it's a pro-life thing. There we go. Thank you. Tell all your local politicians to do the same damn thing. You're welcome. So that's <laughs> that's that's one. And two, why does everybody keep because this this was not legislated upon you, right? What is it called when the Supreme this, Court forces something on us? The Supreme Court didn't force Over. anything on you. The people were trying to for the, the 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 states forced passed a law that the Supreme Court ruled was unconstitutional. That's what the Supreme Court does. Whenever the right hears a law, or whenever anybody hears a law, when, when the Supreme Court does this, they always say, oh, it's the Supreme Court legislating. No, the Supreme Court wasn't friggin' legislating. Somebody passed a law. It's just like with Citizens United. Everybody's running around saying the Supreme Court legislated. No, the Supreme Court didn't legislate. They passed a law, and the Supreme Court said it was unconstitutional. Same thing in Roe v. Wade. The Supreme, somebody passed a law, and the Supreme Court called it un- unconstitutional. Ditto with the gay marriage thing. They passed laws. The Supreme Court said they were unconstitutional. Stop calling it legislation. It's not. Man, I, I get where you're coming from to the extent that, like, this is why the Supreme Court exists, to, to take a look at our laws and say if it's, you know. Um, but... There is an extent to which the Supreme Court is taking away the the right of the people to make these decisions, you know. Um, and where is that line? I you know I I don't know. It, it's a tough it's a tough thing to it's a tough thing to answer. Um, but but there's definitely a part of me that feels like 
a majority of people in the country are anti-abortion, do not want this to be legal, but these nine justices forced it upon us. And well, we have no recourse do, against that. Then why do so many people get abortions? I mean, why is this if, if the majority of people don't want this going on? I mean, I and, and let's be honest. I think you're probably right. I think that the majority of people uh, that I've seen at least agree that uh, that not necessarily that abortion should be illegal, but that but it's not something that they would do given the option. Um, and at least that's, that's, that's kind of the general feeling that I get, but then there's an awful lot of people, but then a lot of those same people will come back and say, but at the same time, I don't, but just because I wouldn't get one doesn't mean that I think that it should be against the law. So I, I don't know that that's quite as clear cut majority wise as you think it is. I think 40 years ago, it definitely was. Maybe you're right that now that that pendulum has swung, but if it has swung, it's still real goddamn close. Well, but 40 years ago, you could make the argument that you know, the majority of people still weren't quite sure about black people marrying white people. Well, and that's where you're right, so. right? That That's where you're right. That when you say that, well, this is the Supreme Court's job to step up when laws are unconstitutional. And that's why I say, you know, this is tough. Uh, because obviously there are some times when, thank God, the Supreme Court stood up, and there's times when you're just horribly depressed that Supreme that the Supreme Court didn't step up, i.e., the Dred Scott decision. So, you know, it's 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 not your you know it's just it's just a very difficult issue. And uh, while I'm frustrated by the abortion thing, I do understand where you're coming from. Yeah, and again, you know, I, I I think I've said this. I think I've said this several times. I I find the abortion issue as very sticky. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those things that's just extraordinarily complicated. Um, and I am one of those people that I. But I, again, as a man, it's it's hard for me to say an abortion's not for me. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> clearly. So, well, and this is where I know. think the, you know, like Scalia is so important because Scalia would have said his response would have this would have been, "Where in the hell in the Constitution does it talk about abortion? Where the hell does it talk about abortion as your right?" Well, it doesn't. Well, then there you go. You know. Yeah, but that's not. And th- and that's where okay. where you get this whole strict constitutional sort of thing. If it's not in the Constitution, then it's up to the legislature to make the decisions. Done. And is that? Okay, are you a strict constitutional constructionalist? No, I don't think I would call myself. We've that. never really had that. We've never really had that conversation. I, I don't think I, I would say I that. I, I certainly, maybe at times the you know Supreme Court goes too far, but no, I, I think um, I, I don't think I would say I was a, con- a strict constructionist. No, because I, I kind of think that that argument's crap. I, I I remember Rubio's response to uh, Scalia's death, and you know, like everybody praising him, et cetera, et cetera, and then saying, you know, we needed to have more justices that saw the Constitution for what it is, which is not a living document. What? 
Well, all right. Well, A, it is not a living document. All right. This is not scripture. This is not the living word of God moving amongst us. This was a document that a bunch of dudes wrote 200 years ago. It's a super good document, and we're really glad that they wrote it. But it is not some sort of living, breathing document. It is simply a document that dealt with issues of that time. Since then, issues have come up that those people were not thinking of, and therefore it is up to our legislature and our Supreme Court to make decisions about things that that Constitution does not address. Okay, but as a by by living document, I mean a document that can be because if they didn't intend for that document, if they intended that to be set in stone as that it can't be adjusted, then why did they include how to amend it? I mean, what, it, there's there's fairly specific spots where they talk about this is how you amend this document. This is how you make this thing malleable. Well, then and I think that they would say that and this is how you amend it. You don't amend the, the Constitution by having Supreme Court justices that decide, you know what, we think that this does address abortion. No, if you want this document to address abortion, then you need to pass a constitutional amendment. Otherwise, it's not for the Supreme Court to be making this call. So you don't think so you think that they should have just denied cert entirely to to Roe v. Wade. Not that they necessarily should have ruled differently, but they should have just not heard the case. Man, I guess I'm not entirely certain of how all that stuff works, but sure, why not? Well, because in that case, I mean, that's it's sort of like because you know, is the that Supreme what they Court do? Like hear. they say, like this isn't within our purview. Get it out of here. Effectively, yeah, okay. and they affirm the lower court's ruling because I mean, everybody. I mean, the Supreme Court is. I mean, people try to take their court their cases to the Supreme Court. There's thousands of them, uh, maybe tens of thousands in a year. Um, and they uh, issue a writ of certiorari where they, they either uh, grant the motion and agree to hear the case or they deny it. And it's called denying cert. They, which when they do that, they effectively affirm the lower court's ruling. So um, I, I guess in that case, uh, again, I don't know enough about Roe v. Wade, but if they had, uh, if they had denied cert, then the law, I assume, would have stood. Mm-hmm. So... Um, and that basically means we're not going to get involved. Yeah. I mean, basically is what they say when they do that. Yeah. You know, either because they don't think it's important enough or they think that there is already precedent or, uh, they think they should stay out of it. So, which happens far more often than cases they agree to hear. So, uh, yeah, well, we got to move on. So, um, to our WTF moment for the week. I went first last time. So it's your turn. What do you got? Uh, I mean, sure. I'll give my WTF to Donald Trump. I don't get to do that often enough, and I'm excited <laughs> to do it this time. We, the Republican Party is the grand old party. is the party of Lincoln. It is the party of, of Teddy Roosevelt. And I am heartbroken that it could potentially become the party of you. Uh, what you have done to us is disgusting, and I hope, I hope, that you are not our nominee. I will be severely disappointed if you are. Take that, Donald. Boom. Can't wait to vote against you tomorrow. I don't know how I feel about it. So let, me, let me ask you this. Because I, I I don't think the Clintons are underestimating Trump. I really don't. I think that they actually see him as, as the way that I see him, which is as dangerous in a general election. I don't know that he'll win, but I think it's going to be more of a fight than people think it will. Or at least it could be, because the guy's good. He's, he's very good. Honestly... I think Cruz is far easier to beat. If I were being really evil, I'd be rooting for Cruz. Yeah. 
I think that's a fair. I think that's a fair statement. I think Cruz would definitely be easier to beat. Yeah, that's. I don't know. I, I you know what? I, I hate them both. I, I and I, as I've said over and over again, I want choice. So put Kasich up there and make me make a choice. I dare you. My WTF moment this week goes to Kentucky representative uh, to the state Senate, uh, a guy by the name of Joseph Fisher, uh, who has decided that he wanted to sidestep the uh, Supreme Court ruling on gay marriage uh, by putting what they are now calling HB 572, otherwise known as the Matrimonial Freedom Act, in front of the Kentucky State Legislature. It's a 450-page document basically rewriting everything that contains the word marriage and now calling it matrimony and thusly allowing Kentucky to legislate marriages again and ban gay marriages. You know what? I don't know that my stance on on gay marriage is going to really surprise anybody, so I'm not even going to go into it. The only thing I ask is that Mr. Fisher, please move to another state and put this up in their legislature. Stop making Kentucky the face of this argument, please. We don't need any more. We already had Kim Davis, and that was plenty. Just take it somewhere else. And if there's any other Kentucky lawmakers out there that want to make a thing about this, just it's it's okay. Just move to Kansas and do it in their legislature. Kentuckians need a break, just for a little while. And by the way, he's going to lose anyway, so you know that's cute. But. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, man, I guess I, I can't believe that this is this is this is what we're arguing about, you know, regardless of what you think about the uh, gay marriage. I, I just I don't see this as this the, the super huge issue for for Kentucky that we need to be spending our time and money fighting over. Um, the Kentucky has a lot of problems. The pension fund, number one, um, uh, this is disappointing that this is what he's focused on. Yeah, why are we still talking about this? It's yeah, it's that, that's my biggest thing is that you know just just let it go. You lost, it's done. Move on. So, all right. Well, we got a couple things we didn't get to, so we'll do we'll do we'll do our usual round of, of quick hit things at the end of the night. Uh, I read an article the other night uh, about pointing out that it was on a, a tech blog pointing out that none of the candidates, if you go on any of the candidates' websites, Republican or Democrat, have any mention of a space policy reason really? I thought about it. We had a, we had a, yeah, we had a, uh, an, an astronaut return from the longest stay, uh, at the international space station today, yesterday, I guess it was, uh, so it's a big deal for space research and long-term travel. Uh, this does, no one talks about this anymore at all. Uh, I, 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 I sort of understand it. We have a lot going on down here right now, but at the same time, you know, I, I, I think that the space program has always been good for morale. I think it's good for research. Why, you know, uh, what, what gives, why don't, why don't we talk about this anymore? Well, man, because of what I think is exactly what you just said, we have so many issues and struggles going on. Uh, within our country, when we start talking about sending people in space, people are like, oh, well, how about we not send people to space and take care of the people here on Earth? Um, but, but at the same time, I do, I, I agree with you. I, I wish we still did talk about 
space. I wish that NASA was was a more important thing, uh, or that there was more of a push towards helping the private sector uh, to advance us into space. Because there have been some very exciting uh, events within the the private sector. Mo- most importantly, reusable rockets. This is huge. Right? This is enormous. And the private sector did something that NASA was never able to do. So maybe we were right to you know, be, go more in the private sector direction. That's awesome. But space should still be in the conversation. This should be something that we're talking about. And it's disappointing that we're not. Yeah, I think that's really more my point. It's it's that it's it's not just that we're not doing anything with it. It's that we're not even discussing it. Like, it's not it's not even coming up, you know. Yeah. Uh, and and, I, I, and it was just it was one of those things that had not even occurred to me. But they're absolutely right. I mean, I've followed this election as closely as anybody, and I haven't heard a word about it. Uh, so thought it was thought it was an interesting point to be made. Uh, they uh, they 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 think they found the murder weapon in the OJ case today. Did you see this? I or did. They may or I may did. not have. Yeah. Did you are, are are you following this at all? I am. I mean, I've noticed this. I don't really know. And so, what if they did? Well, no. Oh, yeah. It's kind of. It is. It. That's ultimately. That's the thing. Jeopardy's attached. So, I mean, it's not like they can retry him. You know. I mean, the, the theory would be that they got to check it out. One is it if it's if it's even legit. Two, can they find this guy and thump his skull? For hanging on to it. I mean, did you hear why he hung on to it? No, why? What he did. This this was given to a groundskeeper found this when they were demolishing the home. And he gave it to a cop who was sort of walking in the beat in the area. I don't know if he was either off duty or duty or he was just kind of there. And the police officer, instead of turning it in, he just hung on to it. Took it home. And then at his retirement party, he asked somebody what the case file, what, what the case number was. For the OJ case. And the guy that he asked says, I don't know, I can look it up. Why? And he goes, well, I have this knife. And then the whole thing just came spilling out. And his buddy was like, wait, you have what? And now the, you know, the, it's, it's, they've turned it over and it's all going fine. But what, why, why would you, why, what? what? And, and now we're probably going to pay the guy a pension. Yeah. <laughs> so basically was- he had <laughs> the, he had, they, they think this is a legit murder weapon. This is the one. It's at least possible, yeah. I mean, it's you know they got to rule it out, but uh, yeah, I mean it's been twenty years, and there's you know the the I mean obviously evidence degrades over time, you know, so they may never know for sure. But I mean back in the day, they may have been able to tell, and we'll never know now. Man, yeah, and that was the thing that was like that was that was what was missing from the entire deal was that they never had the murder weapon, so they couldn't, you know. That was, I mean, that along with a lot of other things that went wrong. But uh, I don't know. Have you been paying attention to this People versus O.J. Simpson thing that's on FX? Have you heard about it? I, I mean, I've heard of this. I haven't paid a whole lot of attention to it. Sh- should I be you know, paying attention to it? I, I, I don't know. I, you know, I, 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 I was interested enough because I've, I've read that book that it was based on the People versus O.J. Simpson by uh, Jeffrey Tubin, which is which is very good, by the way. Um, and it goes into a lot of things that just at the time being in high school, it just didn't really occur to me. You know, the uh, the mood of Los Angeles and the in the post Rodney King, the immediate post Rodney King era and and understanding why the black community was so upset that they would rally behind this guy who was clearly guilty 
and and I, I don't know that I really understood that, but in reading the book, I, I, it's not that I necessarily think it was right or wrong. I think it was just much more complicated than, frankly, than I think white people were capable of understanding. Um, and, 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 and I get that, you know, I think that's a failing of, of the system and of us as a society. Um, but as far as the TV show goes, it's, it's, it's not a bad show. It's, it's, it's very well done and it's got a lot of actors. I really like, you know, Courtney B Vance is in it and he's playing Johnny Cochran and he's awesome. And I mean, freaking Schwimmer is playing, you know, nice. Mr. Kardashian, which is awesome. fascinating. Yeah. I mean, and he, and he's actually pretty good. Uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. is 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 doing Cuba things as OJ. It's 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 great, but at the same time, I'm just not really connecting with it like I thought I would. And I read an article by a guy who is about my age saying that he sort of felt the same way, and the reason he he thought he felt that way was that I don't he he's like I don't need to see this. I remember this. I don't need to watch a, a reenactment of Johnny Cochran's performance. I saw Johnny Cochran's performance and I thought, you know what? Maybe, maybe that's why I'm having trouble really getting into the show. Cause I, again, I remember every bit of it. I remember watching the, I remember watching the Bronco chase or live. I remember watching the verdicts, every bit of it. So I don't know. I, it was a very long winded way of going. I have no idea whether or not I recommend it. You might enjoy it. I mean, it, you know, like I said, the performances are fun. Travolta's, Certainly something I, I didn't expect because uh, he's done well. He's playing Robert Shapiro, so nice. yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I, 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 have you any thoughts on any of this <laughs> at all? No, no, really. I guess I guess I'm having a hard time caring about the whole OJ thing. It was a long time ago. I mean, it was high school for me, I guess, and it was upsetting and ridiculous then. And at this point, it's just a little ridiculous and. That's all I got. I feel better knowing that he's in jail, you know, because he is in jail and he's, 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 he'll be there hopefully until the end of his life. And that, that I think is better for society. So wait, what? OJ's in jail. Where have you been? Why is OJ in jail? OJ's in jail because he's, because he's nuts. The man is insane. You didn't hear about this. This was years ago. This was years ago. This is probably, I don't know if it was 10 years ago at this point or not, but he, he got like a crew together to basically this. He thought this guy had stolen some of his memorabilia. I mean, he's been broke for years because of the, the, uh, the civil court ruling against him. And so he and this group of his buddies had a bunch of sports memorabilia stolen from him. At least they, they, they thought it was stolen. So what they decided they were going to do was get it back. So they broke into this guy's office and like took a couple people hostage and, uh, yeah. Uh, and tried to steal a bunch of stuff and, and got, they got caught. So, uh, they had another trial and he was convicted pretty ridiculously quickly and he's been in prison ever since wow yeah i had no idea you really didn't know anything about that no i really didn't huh crazy yeah so regardless oj ended up in prison and that's a good thing so 
Yeah. Anyhow. All right. Well, I think we're about done for the night. We've certainly yet again gone over time. So uh, I, I, you know what? I have no final thought for the evening. Last night's debate just left me without any final thoughts. It just sort of left me shell-shocked with this entire thing. Please don't vote for Donald, whatever you do tomorrow. But obviously go register to vote because it's important. Kentucky, turn out in droves and vote for John Kasich tomorrow, please. Uh Keep keep the Donald uh, slow the roll, if you will. We'd really we would re- the rest of the country would really appreciate that. So, how about you, sir? Uh, final thought, I guess, would be excited about uh, fascinated by Huntsman and the things they said about Hillary Clinton, and I hope that I hear more from him about this race as it goes forward. Yeah, we didn't really get a chance to talk about that. Maybe we'll get uh, maybe we'll get into that next week. If you, yeah, there you go. Go everybody. Once you're done here, go look up John Huntsman because he's awesome. Yes, he is. Yes, we, we we like John Huntsman a lot. So, anyhow, thank you so much for joining us. Please enjoy your weekend. And uh, well, it's not going to be the weekend anymore when you finally get your hands on this. So enjoy whatever it is that's ahead of you. Come back and see us next week. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thank you.